What is going on, listeners? I'm your host, Jonathan Yamasaki for Go Entrepreneur Yourself. We're a podcast that features entrepreneurs and leaders from around the country to share their story about adversity, triumph, and their business. Today, we bring you Incubate Next, an incubator that helps overlooked entrepreneurs from underserved communities have the opportunity to gain access to tech development projects for capital, connections, resources, and experiences needed to launch companies. Incubate Next is founded by four individuals, two of who are here with us today. Paul, um, and my apologies if I butcher your last name, is it Hershenson? Yeah, you got it. Perfect. Perfect. Paul Hershenson, uh, he's a co-founder of an innovative software development firm, ArtLogic, and Matthew Walk, a pharmacist and health tech expert. Thank you both for coming onto our show to talk about your, your incubator and sharing these resources to entrepreneurs that are possibly turning it, uh, tuning in. It's our pleasure. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us, Jonathan. Awesome. So before we get to know uh, more about our guests today or about Incubate Next, I want to give our audience a chance to get to know you both on a personal level. So we're going to do this thing called the Fast Five. So I just ask five quick questions and you both answer uh, whoever wants to go first, whatever comes to mind to get to know you a little bit. First question, what is your least favorite thing about Zoom or virtual meetings? Ooh, I'll go first. Um, it, it, that's, that's pretty obvious. It's just not being able to like feel the energy in the room. Right. <laughs> and for me, it's, I can't pace. I, I always pace. And when I'm doing a video uh, call like this, I'm, I'm kind of stuck. So if I start waving my hands around, it's just to <laughs> substitute for not being able to enter in. Yeah, it's one reason that's why awesome. I, I do... I do zooms without the camera on a lot because I could do them from my phone and I can just wander around. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, next question. If you can have any animal as a pet, it could be real or fictional, what would it be? Um a unicorn, I guess, because yeah. why not? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so this is great. This is this is gonna show you the, the difference between Matt and I. Um I would choose a cat because <laughs> I already have cats. And they're not fictional characters. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Awesome. Um, next question. What is something you do that everyone else would consider weird or strange? Oh, man, Paul, do I really say this? Um, so I, uh, let's just say I, I, um, I, I believe in astral projections. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. great. And I can confirm that he does. Um, what do I do that's that's uh, strange and unusual? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if anybody would find this crazy. I take off Fridays and go hiking. I leave in the morning. I don't come back until nine or ten at night. Drive drive out to the mountains. Um, I lived in LA for thirty years, so when I was in LA, I'd be up in the Angeles National Forest. Here in San Diego, I drive out to Cleveland National Forest. Turn my phone off. Um, and uh, get away from everything. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't know that that's strange or unusual. I, I think uh, for most people, they wouldn't go on a Friday all day to go hiking. So that is, that is something that maybe someone considers strange. I think that's like a vacation. That's a great time. Yeah. And uh, thank you for every sharing week. that. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And then um, how would your parents describe what you do for a living? <laughs> I get that one. I'll take this one first. So uh, when I was growing up, I had very Jewish parents, and they used to always tell me, Paul, you can be anything you want to be. 
You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, or you can be an Indian chief. And the joke's <laughs> on them because apparently I chose Indian chief. So. <laughs> That's great. What about you, Matthew? So my dad was like a serial entrepreneur. So my mom would probably just say something along the lines of like, <clears throat> you're just like your dad, except you're, you're dealing with even bigger, crazier things. Like you're just way more obsessed. <laughs> That's perfect. Awesome. Well, the last question is, what are you curious about right now? It's, I, I can't, I can't limit to one thing. Um, big, my, my biggest interest right now, and I think Paul can start to talk about this is, um, trying to uh, essentially identify really cutting edge therapy treatments for PTSD, depression, mood disorders. And a lot of it is involved is, is evolving around the psychedelic phase. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I'm really, really curious in a lot of things that are, that are happening there. Yeah. There's a ton of, ton of research and, and stuff happening out in the world these days. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's still much more things to uncover from there because we're just barely getting to cannabis now. Um, wonderful. And then, uh, I don't know if you went, Paul, did you already go? I didn't, I'll take this in a, in a totally different direction, um, in a personal direction. So I'm really interested in understanding teenagers. I have twin girls and about six months ago, they turned from 12 to 13 and are almost like a different species of human being now. So any insights I can get into what, uh, what it's like to be a teenager because it's been a long time for me. That's where mine, mine is at a lot these days here. Perfect. Well, I hope that the audience members that are on here can get just as much from you as you can, as they can give to you. Well, so let's get started. Let's let's talk about the business. Um, what is an incubator? Because I feel like for a lot of people that are going into the phase of creating their business are maybe not familiar with what what that means. So a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people have great, brilliant ideas. Some people, not so much. But it's pretty easy to have an idea. But to take your idea and turn it into a successful, viable business, a lot has to happen. And we are, in particular, focusing on how do you get from idea to seed funding? Because so many businesses fail. So many startups fail because they aren't able to get the resources that they adequate resources that they need to to turn it into a viable business. So if we can help somebody with an idea get to the point where they can present to investors and persuade those investors that they are able to operate and grow a business, then we're launching them into a position where they can be successful. I think that's the fundamental idea behind what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I would echo that and say we're cultivating ideas, bringing in experience and relationships and um, really giving them a, a jump start to go from concept to execution. And then how, how was this team formed? Uh, because I, I remember reading up on like who the creators, you being two of the four, how did you all get to meet? Um, like you met one of the uh, founders of NWA and he connected with y'all and then a DJ. How did that all happen? So it all, it all came through Paul and his, and his company. So I'll let him tell yeah, you the story. We're an eclectic uh, group of, group of folks. Um, I worked with Matt through Art and Logic. We were working on developing an app for him. Matt and I met when he hired Art and Logic to develop an app for him. AJ King 
I met years ago, also through Art and Logic, uh, he had started up a music technology company and he hired Art and Logic to develop the firmware and the application software for their product. And Arabian Prince, I met more recently, about two years ago at a music technology uh, conference. And uh, Arabian's an interesting guy. He has, he has this you know, very unique background as a co-founder of NWA, um, but he's actually spent most of the last uh, 20, 30 years or so as a technologist, uh, acting as a consultant and an investor uh, and an entrepreneur himself. And so I met him in the context of that, of working as a, as a technologist. Um, and, you know, we recognized right away that we would be able to uh, work together referring business to each other. So I knew all three people independently. Um, and then when the pandemic hit last year, in different combinations of us, we were all talking about uh, different ways in which we could work together to try to tackle some of the challenges of the pandemic. And so I got all four of us together and, you know, we quickly realized that we had really nice chemistry working together and that we had complementary skill sets and that we enjoyed working together. The opportunities that we were pursuing during the pandemic never really worked out for a variety of different reasons. But once the vaccine was approved and we saw, well, you know, the the runway is getting very narrow for pandemic opportunities. How can we continue to work together in a post-pandemic world? And that's when we came up with the idea for Incubate Next. We all have an interest in entrepreneurship and coaching and mentoring. And in particular, um, we really wanted to focus on projects that would have a positive social impact. So for me personally, I've spent my entire career developing software for other people. So people come to Art and Logic and they hire us to develop software for them. And I really wanted to have an opportunity as I'm getting toward the latter stages of my career to pick the projects that I get to invest my energy in. And I really wanted to make sure that those projects would be things that would have a positive impact on the world. And that was very much in line with Matt and uh, AJ and Arabian. And so that's how we settled on Incubate Next being both an incubator and in particular an incubator that focuses on social impact. Mm. So then does that mean that you're more selective with startup companies? Um, I, I think it means that we're we're looking for companies that we can demonstrate that there's going to be some level of social impact, whether that's uh, something that is going to help with people with mood disorders or mental health. Um, is it going to help solve a problem uh, somewhere in, in, in the global industry from wh what, whatever it may be? We're, we're always on the lookout for something that's going to have some sort of positive impact on society. And, you know, we we're looking for ideas that we think um, have legs in that in that right. area. Uh, so then I, I remember looking at your website, I really appreciated the engagement model that kind of shows what applicants, um, it, it shows them how you support them in that process. Can you run us through that process and what it's like? So the very first step is what we call ideation, where you have an idea, let us challenge you on that idea. Let's try to get you to think through your idea from different perspectives and in ways in which you haven't thought about it first. So that's that's the first step. Um, a lot of times ideas, once you really scrutinize them, start to start to evolve in unexpected ways, but in very powerful ways. 
And you want to go through that process early enough so that later on, when you're out trying to raise money, you've thought through all of these different angles and you have something that's really solid and well thought out. So that's the first step is uh, ideation. Yeah, I, I, I describe that almost as like the, the idea obstacle course. Like we've got to figure out exactly what that thing looks like and, and how, do we, how do we identify its, its opportunities in, in the industry? And that's really a really key component. And then, you know, you know, then we start to move towards what we call product definition. And, and it's really, you know, this is really where Paul and his team come in heavy on the, the concept of, you know, now that you, now that you kind of have the idea, what does it tactically and logically take to start executing that idea? Um, and Paul, I can let you speak more to that because that's, that's really where you're. Your so if, if the idea involves software, if it might, maybe it's an app, or a SaaS, or rarely a desktop application any longer, then we would take you through a, a discovery and design process. And usually you would work directly with Art and Logic um, in, in the product definition stage of the engagement. So that involves talking to uh, a lead engineer, somebody who has many years of experience in developing software and has done dozens if not hundreds of projects and they'll ask all of the questions that need to be answered in order to understand the software that's that has to be built in sufficient detail to be able to start creating uh, an architecture for the software a roadmap for the project and a budget which is the crucial part of this whole thing because you got to know how much money you need to have to actually be able to build it and then as a separate track you would work with a graphic designer on the UI and UX design of the software. So that's both, you know, the flow and um, the kind of logic of an app. And then the user interface is, uh, you know, what it looks like, uh, colors, brandings, typography, that types of things. Um, when we get to the end of the product definition phase, we've got two things. And this is for a typical software project in Incubate Next you know, we'll certainly do things that are not exclusively software, but for software, um, the two things that you walk away with from that phase are a requirements document that's written. It's a written, written document that really describes in detail what the software is. And then UI designs, generally uh, using one of the prototyping, online prototyping tools that are out there uh, that, that will give you a, a visual prototype of the app or the software that you're trying to build. So you get those two things. And those are both crucial to have when you uh, take your project to investors because a picture is worth a thousand words. So the, the visuals really help to get the point across of what you're trying to do. And then the document itself shows that you've really done your due diligence and have really fleshed out the details of the software that you're trying to build. So that's the product definition stage. Yeah, and that's and that's a lot on the software side. If we're looking at things outside of software, we're we're asking the the stronger questions around if it's anything in the health and wellness space. What do we need to know around regulatory issues, or or what manufacturers are out there that we can that we can identify to be able to to market the product? We're getting quotes. We're we're looking at the the viability of the actual execution of that you know tactical idea at that point. So we're, we're trying to bring in, at, at, that's really the stage, we're bringing in a lot of the relationships that we have and the experience that we have to be able to say, hey, I've done a project similar to this. 
here's here's people that I've worked with in the past, or I know someone who's done something similar. Let's let's get them. Let me let me tap a resource and get them involved, perhaps to see if we can uh, utilize their experience to be able to better define h- how we accomplish this idea. Awesome. And then uh, because this this sounds, I mean, if I was starting my own business, I walked up to you all. What? What sort of qualifications, aside from them coming from like a good social cause that they're trying to start up uh, their their app or maybe push something to development to get uh, approved by the FDA, what sort of requirements are you looking for when somebody comes up to you, you all? Well, I mean, an entrepreneur could come from anywhere. So, you know, I, I think and I think that's sort of, sort of one of the basic thesis of this group, right, which is, um, you know, we all come from very different uh, walks of life. And we've all had our success in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's it's a lot about, you know, it, 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 is the idea viable? Then it really turns into how passionate and how dedicated and devoted is that entrepreneur? Because the one thing that we can definitely say from experience is that however much work you think it's going to take, like triple it, and then, you, then you're starting to get accurate, <laughs> right? So it's it's a lot of is is this person ready and willing to put in the work? If we ask them to go look for information, are they able to go find it themselves? Are they able to come back with thoughts and answers in in a scenario where it's obvious that they're continuing to put a lot of um, time, energy, and focus into their ideas? At, at that at that stage too, that product definition is really where. We're not going to ask the entrepreneur who's never done this before to be able to know all the questions they need to ask themselves. That's why right. we're there, right? And that's right. why we, we lean in on our experience to help them kind of get over that hurdle because that's one of the hardest ones when you're starting uh, something new. Right. And then what specific startups have been successful, if you can give some examples, and then maybe other startups that weren't? Uh, weren't successful and why they weren't successful. Well, so we're we're in the very early stages here with Incubate Next. We um, we just launched really about two months ago. So we're just now signing up our first cohort oh, wow. of entrepreneurs. Um, and in fact, today we got our first signed contract back. So um, we're going to have to uh, come back in a couple of months and uh, re- report back <laughs> on that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, over the, the course of our careers, um, and I started Art Logic over 30 years ago and have worked with I mean, really countless, countless startups. And I've seen some succeed spectacularly, some fail spectacularly, and a lot that are in the middle. I'll give a, I can't give a name, but I'll, I'll give a, a quick example that I think is uh-huh. instructive because a, a lot of times it's not just having a great idea, though that's absolutely essential. It's not just having the wherewithal to be able to manage an operating and operate a business, but that's essential. It's also kind of being in the right place in the right time. Um, so I have a, a client friend who probably can already tell that I often make friends with my clients since that's how this whole thing came about. <laughs> and uh, he had uh, started a contactless payment uh, business a few years ago. And, you know, it was a nice idea. Mm-hmm. We went out to dinner once and we got to use it at a restaurant. And I was like, yeah, that's a cool idea. That, that kind of works. But it was kind of languishing because nobody was all that interested until around March of 2020, when all of a sudden the ability to uh, buy your food and not have to touch anything at a restaurant became a really critical thing. So as soon as the pandemic hit, that business just launched like a rocket ship. Um, out of there, and I think it's a good example because the you know you you, you got to have 
you got to have some good fortune in addition to the hard work and the great idea. Yeah, my one of my business partners and I talk about it all the time. Like success is where opportunity meets preparation, right? And so that's it's just <laughs> you know I can I can go back and talk multiple about some of my own startup successes and failures. It's one of those things where <clears throat> any real serial entrepreneur. It's like baseball. Like if you're batting 300, you're in the Hall of Fame oh, yeah. kind of stuff at the That's, end of the day. Uh-huh. You're like you're at, at at some point. Like you 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 will fail probably twice as many times as you succeed. But the successes are worth it all and um, ba- basically bring your your true uh, passion to life eventually at some point. Yeah. And I love that you bring up the topic failure because this is what I tell all my college students is like fail as many times as you can while you're in college because in college or in your young life, you don't have that much debt or you don't have that much to have to worry about. Like you don't have a mortgage, you're not married. Most people are just kind of figuring out and it's a lot easier because you, 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 if you fail in, in the classroom, it doesn't affect you as much. So I, I, this question just kind of came up to me, but when working with other entrepreneurs and startups in your career, what is an obstacle that most of them fail in that's unavoidable? I have one in mind, but what examples do you guys have? Uh, for me, the, th- the first thing that comes to mind is, is I'm, I'm a big advocate of stoicism. So being stoic, which is, which is really being incredibly present with the here and now. And it's funny because Paul and I were just talking about this before. And Paul is actually way better at this than I am already at this stage. I'm already, you know, trying to think on the horizon and ahead of the game. But one of the things that I've, that I've learned as being young you are typically not very present. You're either thinking too far ahead in the future and all of the worries that come along with it, Uh or you're thinking about something in the past. You're either stressed and anxious because you're worried about something. And there's, there's a, there's a pretty um, powerful quote in stoicism that like hope and um, fear are basically the exact same thing. It's, <clears throat> a projection of the future of something in the future that you cannot control now. Mm, that's powerful. So that, that to me is like, it's, un- it, I don't want to call it, it's unavoidable, but it's something that a lot of people trip themselves up on at, at when they're younger, because they just like, I know for me, like I didn't develop those, those mental skills, that mental like fortitude until I've gone through a bunch of failures myself. So mm. It, I feel like it's one of those things you learn by doing, not just because you, you can just overnight flip a switch and, and, and be able to do it. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I would add a little more Zen to the discussion. Do you know the old Zen saying, um, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. I, I think about that. It's like I've every, heard that from a book. Uh, Phil, Phil Jackson in, in one of his like sacred hoops or one of those books talked about. It. I'm a big Laker fan. So. Oh, okay. So I, I think about that every day because it's what it means to me anyway, is that the work itself is important. It could be very exciting to be an entrepreneur, to have ideas and dreams and visions for what happens in the future, but you can only choose what you're going to do next in the next moment. And if you can kind of fall in love with the work with the process and have the humility to accept the failures and believe me we all have failures all of the time uh-huh. yeah and if you can accept them and learn from them and keep doing the work then you know the sky's the limit yeah so i, I want to go back to 
you said you started two months so far with this uh with this incubator correct correct yeah this is this was you know when we when we first got together last year kind of uh revolving around <clears throat> covid related projects mm-hmm. we were kind of like it was the first time we had really kind of started talking and really just interacting as a as a team and there was a, there was a bit of like we don't know what this is yet but we know it's going to be something eventually right in that sense and so and i and then to that like to kind of just what we were talking about in regards to like, well, we don't know what it is, but let's just keep meeting and let's keep talking and let's keep pivoting and let's sort of keep creating and we'll come up with something. And it was about, what was it, about six, six to eight months ago, I started telling Paul, I'm like, you know what, Paul, like this is like, I feel like this is, this should be an incubator. I feel like we've got all the right, we've got all the right people. We've got, um, you know, a great like front man and Arabian to be able to really, um, you know, put this message out there to the world to, you know, utilize and leverage relationships. And I feel like we really want to focus in on young and underserved entrepreneurs who, who have great social impact ideas, but need foundational help to get them over those first few obstacles because they've never done it before. Whereas we've, between the four of us, we've, we've done it a bunch. Mm-hmm. And so really that, I feel like I've been doing a good job of like incepting, inception with Paul and the rest of the team. We've just kind of been nibbling at it for a while, telling them, no, I, guys, I think I, like this is something that seems really cool. We should be doing this. Uh-huh. And so we've over time developed to where we are now. So then when the vaccine was approved and so I kept, I kept saying, well, that's, that's great, Matt. That's really good. We should do that sometime, but like, we're trying to sell PPE. So let's, can we get back to selling the PPE? Um, and then <laughs> no, I'm done. Then when the vac, then when the vaccine was approved and I started thinking about, okay, well, we have to reconceive of what we're doing. And then I had the brilliant idea to turn it into an incubator. Well, actually, Matt incepted the idea, <laughs> and I called him up and I said, "Hey, you know, I think we should do an incubator." And he very graciously <laughs> didn't say, "I told you that eight months ago." Um, and he said, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that." And so we went out and you know got AJ and, and Arabian on board for that. So, yeah, what is your approach in reaching out to these entrepreneurs? Because if they're often overlooked, you're the ones looking for them. Where do you go? Yeah, they they've actually it's they've been finding us. Um, it, one of the things that's been nice is that people have been wanting to talk to us and get the word out, and we've had people starting to come in through the website. Of course, we all also know a lot of people or are talking to a lot of people all the time through our our other activities. Um, so so far, it's uh, we're we're having quite a bit more demand than we have uh, actual bandwidth to be able to deliver on. As we're able to scale this, um, we really do hope to do more outreach to entrepreneurs and underserved communities, and we really hope to be able to establish a scholarship fund so that they'll be able to work with mm-hmm. us without having to put in any of their own money up front. So those are goals. We haven't achieved them yet, but they are very front and center in our thinking about how we're going to do this. Yeah, we've even had some sort of wild, crazy ideas like competition-based scholarships and sort of game theory type things. So there's there's stuff that's out there that we're already kind of entertaining. You know, I, I think as we continue to get the word out more, um, we're going to continue connecting with the entrepreneurs as well as start getting gaining interest from from investors and, and uh, other people who are really interested in seeing what, what ideas we can discover and, and, and cultivate. That's wonderful. 
yeah, I, I love how you talked about the gamification or gamifying that concept to try to get people to for fundraising. Like there's a lot of that going on on Twitch, on Discord, on a lot of uh, communities when people are trying to raise fundraise for different things and even like cryptocurrency right now. Like there's some cryptocurrency out there that's uh, that's being used for for charities. So I think that's a that's a great idea. And that's awesome that you all are well connected, getting these people in to hear you guys out. So where do you see this organization in the next five years? Paul, where do you see it in the next five years? <laughs> I've already I've already been I've already been working on that with them. I've been a little inception stuff again. <laughs> so this is gonna be a good one. So uh, you know, I my answer is gonna be something along the lines of, well, you know, we're gonna be doing what we're doing now. We're just gonna be doing more of it and we're gonna be doing it better. And Matt's gonna tell you <laughs> what do you think? What do you think we're going to do in five years? You know, it, it's and, and, and I would say that the truth is, is that, again, when I really get back to stoicism, I would I really have to answer it in the same way. We don't know exactly where this is going to be in five years. Like if I if I really can time travel, I, you know, then I would be doing that. But one of the things that we um, you know, we're, I, my 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 sort of uh, take on this is there's there's going to be a hundred different pivots from between here and mm. there. And sometimes pivots are really small. Sometimes they're really big. Um, I I like to refer to more as like, uh, you know, being on a pirate ship and trying to go to an island that we know there's buried treasure. Well, we might, you know, the wind might push us a little bit one way and we've got a course correct. Mm-hmm. But we know we know we're headed to an island and we know there's buried treasure there. And we know once we get there, we'll be able to find it. Um, but in the meantime, we've got to make sure we're just pointing the boat in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, now I want to talk, I want to go into a uh, next segment talking about leadership. What challenges do entrepreneurs face that you feel an incubator may not be able to help with? So I'm purposely asking these questions because they're like kind of going against what, what the theme of it is, but that's kind of the point. So like, what is something that, what is a challenge that an entrepreneur has to face that not even an incubator can help with? So I, I, I want to jump in and answer this one first because I work I work really closely with a uh, a nonprofit group called Entrepreneurs Organization, and it's a global entrepreneurship network that's um, thousands of business owners across across the world. And there's qualifications to get in and membership and all that kind of stuff. Which if you want to look at it, you you can look it up. But yeah, sure. what one of the things that I do is I moderate what's called a forum, which is a group of eight, anywhere from eight to twelve um, business owners in a specific uh, chapter. And so to that extent, I get to have these kinds of conversations with entrepreneurs and really dig deep into what is going on um, in their minds and in, and in their emotions. And the biggest thing that I can say that most entrepreneurs don't understand out of the get-go is having a business and being an entrepreneur is absolutely about the intersection of your own personal life and your business. Um for for many people, like I, I am defined as my business as much as I, I am Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous and slippery slope to be in because truly I'm just an entrepreneur uh, um, and I'm always going to be Matthew. But the hard part comes is when everything about your business life somehow intertwines with your personal life because there's really no separating the two if you if you really are like truly deep in the entrepreneurship rabbit. You are the face of your business. 
you're the face of your business. It, not always, but but for sure, like the the connection you have to your business is as if your business is your own self. I I would say more 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 than being the face of the business, you're the spiritual center of your business, and when you own a business, all of the culture of your company comes from how you behave and how you lead by example and how you treat people. And, you know, an incubator can't make the entrepreneur be different than who they are. And some people are not going to be effective leaders. They don't have the personality or character and others will. And I don't know that we would be able to bridge the gap if somebody doesn't have that aspect of it. Yeah. I remember on your website, I saw that you guys also work with with helping create that pitch deck for that moment when they have to present in front of investors. Can you give us like two top strategies that entrepreneurs should have in their back pocket when they're pitching their company? For me, pitch decks are like... Like the number one thing is, can I properly and really wow convey my idea? And the second for me is just a little more tactical. It's like, don't get too wordy in your pitch deck and just be reading off of your slides. Like there needs to be a bit of um, song and dance to mm-hmm. it almost a bit of, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you see behind the curtain. I'm just going to try and be Oz out there, <laughs> you, know, make, you know, making sure that you, that you're engaged um, and and wowed. And I think with presentations to investors, I, I think the best strategy is to be as authentic as possible. You can't really go in and you can't be a salesman so much as you have to be willing to reveal, you know, who you are, why you want to do this, why you think it's going to work. And, and they'll have to connect with you as a human being, I think to be willing to take the chance of investing their money with you. I think that authenticity is something that really has to be there. Yeah, I would echo that. And really, like, if I could sum it all up, it's like, make sure you tell a really good story. Yeah, like, you really got to be able to convey the story. Yeah, you have to be a, a, a storyteller for your business, for yeah. yourself. Yeah, It's got to be a story you believe in. You know, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to tell it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, so this next question is when you all are managing your entrepreneurs, is there any time that you walk away from an entrepreneur? Yeah. 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 And what, what's an example? There's an example already where we've we've sort of walked away from the scenario because one of the partners just felt the the product itself was kind of in the sort of the, the, the child uh, space. Um, mm-hmm. from a from a safety standpoint, we were just really concerned about liability and um, didn't feel that there was an adequate level of understanding from the entrepreneur in that liability space. And so that kind of concerned us. And we ultimately said, this this isn't the project for us. I, I don't have any with Incubate Next at this point. I, I, you know, I will say that over the course of time, I've learned that you will encounter people in your professional career that will drain more energy from you than the relationship will give you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's as important to manage your energy as it is to manage your time. I will cut ties with those people because, you know, 
life's too short and we just don't have enough time to do all the things we need to do. And if these relationships are essentially pulling you down, they're not worth continuing. Yeah, I think I would I would touch on that a little bit. There was there was <clears throat> recently a product that was a quite interesting product in the sort of surface protectant space. It can uh, I, I work with a lot of people in health and wellness, but there's also that crosses into some uh, chemicals and uh, EPA related stuff, and especially with the pandemic. And there was a situation where this this group that I was working with could could perhaps introduce me to a to a to a very very big uh, distributor. And it got to the point where I basically just walked away because they were they were picking apart the process so much about how like, oh, my email wasn't properly worded in grammar and punctuation and things like that. And I'm just like, guys, this is not how like like this is this is felt too corporate to me. It felt too like one of those things where we're actually trying to move fast and fix things. And that's that's the real issue. And and this is just, you know, having an hour long conversation about protocol around, you know, what an email should look like is just not going to it's not going to get us there. And at the end of the day, I just said, you know what, I, I don't think I don't think we work well together. And I, and I bowed out. Wow, that's crazy. I would have I, I mean, in college, they teach us all the time. Punctuation. Make sure everything is. uh and, and to an extent, sure, like I get that. Like, right. trust me, this, like, trust me, these emails were not like <laughs> not just crude and like whatever. Right, right. These were, these were well thought out emails. Um, but it just it got to the point where I just said, obviously, your 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 methods of communication, your style of communication, just doesn't vibe with mine. And so I think no matter how much opportunity there is, this is going to be like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enjoy the process of working with someone like that. And, right. and I'm going to be much more inclined to be, you know, very, very uh, quick, quick actions, quick, quick uh, execution type stuff. Right. And did some of the questions came in from the chat and a student asked, did you did you both major in entrepreneurship or business? What, what, what did you take while you're in college? Well, Paul's going to either be modest or not here. And I'm trying to guess which one. Um, I, I went to pharmacy school, so I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist when I was younger, but I also knew I wanted to be an entrepreneurship. So I thought it was good. That was going to mean like owning a mom and pop pharmacy or something in a small town. I grew up in a very small town. Um, what I learned going through my entrepreneurship journey was that a pharmacist degree is actually quite versatile in the healthcare industry. Like we're kind of, we're, 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 we're we've touched points in a lot of the different areas of the entire healthcare system. So I, I got my, my doctorate of pharmacy um, pretty, pretty quickly. And then since then, it's really just been more a BS degree in BS almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's, but it's really been about the journey itself and learning from doing. Um, mm. you know, no, no degree, no matter what you do, entrepreneurship or otherwise, will give you the same experience as what it is to go through a, you know, a 12 or 18 month long litigation that is just draining money from your company and, and causing incredible financial stress. There's not a single course you can take that will prepare you for that. You go, the only way to do it is to do it. Yeah. That's great. What about you, Paul? <laughs> um, so I was planning to be a rock star. I haven't quite let go of that yet. I will perhaps start a band when I turn 60. <laughs> Um, I was a music major in college, and so I'm actually kind of serious. Um, I really, uh, when I was in college, I was planning a career in music, and I, I you know, I ended up in software because uh, when I was 
in college, I, and this is a really long time ago, uh, I was introduced to the idea of using computers to make music. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And so I spent a lot of time uh, learning uh, digital signal processing and electrical engineering and computer programming when I was in college. But I was a music major. That was my degree. Um, I have no other no other degree. Uh, I never went to business school. I started Art and Logic um, after a music tech startup that I was working for. I went out of business. Um, and, you know, I think that I've probably paid for business school three or four times over with all of the mistakes that I've made over the years. But, you know, we've always been good at uh, acknowledging the mistakes and trying to learn from them. And, uh, you know, that mattered far more to my success than, you know, the fact that I spent most of my, most of my college uh, studying music theory. So, <laughs> yeah, I failed music theory. I, I was a music minor and uh, it's, it's a tough class. It's another, a whole nother language. And even in the chats, uh, Paul, someone just said, you look like a rock star. <laughs> ah, well, thank you very much. I, you, you do look like a rock star, Paul. That made my day. <laughs> Well, what's funny is that, like, like I'm 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 the pharmacist of the group, but I'm also very very um, big into music as well. I'm a very musical family, and I've played drums for years and years and years. So it's it's really it, it is one of the things that that all four of us um, in the in the incubator as as you know co-founders we all have in common is is music is still is very strong internally. It's true, and I I was just gonna say I love the irony of the fact that I wanted to be a rock star, and now I'm in business with a rock star, so that helps. <laughs> Yeah, that that's great. That's great. You got there somehow. You got close, but you still got time, you know. Get close. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question that came in was what motivates an entrepreneur? What is something that would could help motivate an entrepreneur through their journey? Um, for me it's the relentless pursuit of just doing something interesting. Like something that wakes me up every day and fascinates me or there's there's really no like one like specific tangible thing. It's not money anymore. I've, I've been through that. It's not recognition. It's really this in this feeling of internal satis satisfaction that like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. What I would add to that is there is immense personal satisfaction. I think that every entrepreneur I've ever met derives from creating something from nothing you know if you start a you start a business you launch a product that thing didn't exist without you and it didn't exist until you made it happen and that's motivating that's a great source of satisfaction and pride yeah um, that's great and then how another student brought in how would you recover from a downfall like a product not selling as well as you thought or maybe a bad partnership so I've had both really badly over the last few years. Um, I've, I've, yeah, seven figure, 18 month long litigation from, from a bad partner. Um, and in the process of that, um, tried to launch a, a prescription allergy product that costs a significant amount of money to, to, to launch and ultimately fell flat. You know, it's, it, it goes back to like almost the previous question and answer, which is, what, what do you do? You get back up, you keep at it because it's not, like we said, it's not really about the money. It's about, it's about the personal satisfaction. It's about the personal growth. It's about, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am an entrepreneur. I am not defined by the, the, the failure or success of any one product or any one thing that I do. Um, I, I define myself as an entrepreneur by doing it every single day because that's who I am. 
That's beautiful. <laughs> Frame that somewhere. Wake up to it every morning. <laughs> and then a question from John. Uh, he asked, what are some pre- preliminary actions a startup should take before connecting with your team? So we're we're looking for people who are still in, in the very early stages where they have a concept or an idea. Um, we're certainly happy to work with and talk to people who are further along than that, but you really don't have to have much more than an idea before you contact us. What I would say, though, is uh, you should really try to vet the idea as much as you can on your own. So, you know, if you have an idea to do a ride sharing app, you know, I think we're probably going to tell you that ship sailed a few years back and it's not worth doing. So I think you probably could have figured that one out on your own and you don't need to contact us. Um, you should see what competition is out there. Um, a lot of people have ideas. A lot of those ideas already exist in the world and they just didn't know about it. And you can save yourself some time and effort just by doing a little bit of due diligence. And I think to that point, it's if you can do enough due diligence to demonstrate how you're going to be different or how you're going to solve some sort of existential thing that is perhaps still existing in in the market or in in the world. You know, but one of the things that really that really I'm passionate about um, is like like the news out there talks about the unicorn companies, the tech companies that go from, you know, to billion dollar valuation seemingly overnight. And the reality is, is that there are a lot of companies, a lot of companies that operate in this like five million a year to you know twenty five to one hundred million dollars a year, whatever it is. And I know it seems like a lot to like an initial entrepreneur, but I've I've seen people in my in my EO groups go from basically zero to like a five or six million dollar company that's just humming along and providing a really amazing lifestyle for an entrepreneur. They're passionate about it, they're successful, and it allows them to really take things that is perhaps more regional or um, a little more niche or a little more focused than you know a unicorn style that's going to be a household name to everybody. So I would say in that sense, like just because there's an idea out there, I wouldn't necessarily be discouraged. I would just want to understand what they're doing and what who their target audience is and and have that be a part of your sort of initial research. Right. Thanks. That's a that, that's a good clarification. I totally agree with that. You don't have to have a unique idea, but you need to have something that differentiates you from other people who are doing similar things. Right, right. Cuz you could have a maybe you could have some sort of product that just caters to celebrities and and if there's something like that out there then that that's okay too. And 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 I know I know people who have made a really successful business out of, you know, focusing on the high end luxury versus the masses. And I've had other people who have crashed and burned trying to do that too. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I mean, you just don't know until you, until you go through the process until you try it. Thanks for that question. So we're coming into the close of this podcast. If you had one piece of advice to a college student or an aspiring entrepreneur out there that wants to start their own business, what would that be? You know, I, I would I would say really dig in on you know self awareness and mental health because it's going to be a critical part of the journey. You know, being being passionate in what you're doing is one thing, but you're going to face failures, you're going to face obstacles, and it's it's really about that mental fortitude and and it's that internal narrative going on. Like you talk to yourself more than anybody else, really, as an entrepreneur. Um, 
And so what you what what the conversations you're having with yourself are extremely important. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I would say the obvious advice that's no less true for being obvious is you have to make peace with failure and see failure as an opportunity and never let it stop you from moving forward. I want to tack on one little thing though, is just understand the relationship with your ego, you know, success, success can do a whirlwind on your ego and so can failure and ego, ego, guilt, and shame there, the relationship you have with it within yourself is going to be what allows you to really continue to be pressing forward with a level of success, humility, gratitude. Uh, it's all part of it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matthew and, and Paul, for being on this podcast. Um, how can our listeners best connect with you online? Or if they're trying to, maybe there's an entrepreneur out there that will be listening to this once we go uh, upload the episode. Well, I would I would say please go to our website, incubatenext.com. Um, it's spelled I-N-C-U-B, the number eight, N-E-X-T dot com. Although we also own Incubate Next, uh, spelled the common way also. So if you go to incubatenext.com, just spelled out, it'll redirect to our site. So if you can go to our site, you can always reach us um, just by filling out the contact form. And we will get that right away. And we'd be thrilled to hear from you. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again to, for being on the show. Thank you listeners out there for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, like, and uh, follow us on all our social media pages. And uh, do you all have any pages that you'd like to to shout out or put on the show? No, just just the incubate next one. There's <laughs> that's definitely the funnel right now. Um, you know, we're 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 both involved in quite a bit of other things, but this is the the focus. What about Paul? What about your stage name? Your rock star uh, account? <laughs> um, well, I'll have to get back to you once uh, once I have it. Um, if you're, I, I will, uh, Jonathan, if you don't mind, I, I will, will take one moment to plug Art and Logic. Um, if you are interested in developing software and need a company to develop it for you, please visit artandlogic.com, A-R-T-A-N-D-L-O-G-I-C.com. And we would also be delighted to hear from you. There's a contact form on that website also. Wonderful. Fill in the contact form. Get get started with your business and go entrepreneur yourself. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. That was a lot of fun. <laughs>